Well, if you're new with us, you'll find a sermon note sheet inside your bulletin that's going to help you better follow along. As today, we're in week number three in a verse-by-verse study through the New Testament book of James that we're calling When Faith Grows Up. Let's go ahead and read our text for today. James writes, starting in verse 19, chapter 1, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceives themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Well, these nine verses all revolve around verse 22. I want you to look at it again. This is the central point of everything that James says here. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's yet another mark of what faith looks like when it grows up. You see, mature Christians are doers of God's word. So let's do a little review here about where we've been and what James has been unfolding for us here in chapter one. First, when faith grows up, it's able to find joy in trials. When things go wrong in life, you still have the joy of the Lord. Not because you're happy for the trials, but because you're able to find joy in your trusting God. That he's gonna use your trials somehow, some way for your good and his glory. Finding joy in trials is one of the indications that you're maturing in your faith. Secondly, and we looked at this last week, when faith grows up, it becomes more and more and more successful at winning the battle with temptation. Rather than being the victim of temptation, mature faith often finds itself on the victorious side with temptation. And so the more mature that we are, the more we're able to walk by the spirit rather than by the lusts of our flesh. And now here at the end of chapter one, James tells us that grown up faith is a doer of the world, the the world, the word. Boy, that's not good. We don't want to be a doer of the world is a doer of the word. Now here's an important truth that you need to get down. And the whole sermon is going to revolve around this. You've got to get this into your spirit. So important. I have it in your notes. It's the bullseye for this morning. You cannot be a mature Christian without a right relationship with God's word. Without a right relationship with the Bible, you cannot in any way, shape, 
or form grow into maturity. Your relationship with God's word is crucial to you growing up in your faith. And here's the sober reality that James is communicating to us here in this passage. You can be a Christian. You can believe the Bible is divine. You can hear lots of sermons and say amen to every one of them and never be mature in your faith. How in the world is that possible? Because of a lack of being a doer of the word. That's what James is addressing here. Look at it once again. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Think about it. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that our knowledge of God's word is a substitute for maturity. It's not. You can know the Bible backwards and forwards and still not be very mature. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that, well, our religious activity is a substitute for maturity. Listen, it should be an outflow of maturity, but it's not a substitute for maturity. You could be at every church event every time the doors are open and still not be mature. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that, well, our good intentions are a substitute for maturity. It's not. Good intentions won't be good enough to bring you to maturity in your faith. Maturity, here it is, is being doers of the word. Now, I want you to understand, James is talking to Christians here. He's not addressing non-Christians. Go back to verse 18 for a moment because I want you to see the connection here. Verse 18, it says, He, talking about God, chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Now, here's what that means. We all became Christians. We all became children of God when we heard the truth about Jesus and we put our faith in him for our salvation. So here's the good news. We're saved. We're forgiven. We have a justified relationship with God. We're going to heaven one day when we die. That's the good news. But what does God want to do in our lives in between then and now? Well, he wants to mature us in our faith. He saved us, notice, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. You say, now what does that mean? Here's here's what that means. That we might become mature and holy like Christ. That happens as we become doers of the word. That's why verse 19 starts with, my dear brothers and sisters, in light of what God has already done for you, he saved you, take note of this. And then he talks about being a doer of the word. Let me show you how these two verses read in the amplified version of the Bible. It kind of adds commentary to it because I think it puts it so well of what James is really saying. Look at this. It was of his own will that he gave us birth as his children by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, what does that mean? Watch this. A prime example of what he created to be set apart to himself, sanctified, made holy for his divine purposes. And then verse 19, our text this morning, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. And once again, understand what? Well, that in order for us to become sanctified, made holy for God's divine purposes, we must become doers of God's word. 
And that all hinges on us having a right relationship with God's word. So what James does in our text this morning is he tells us what's required if we're going to have a right relationship with the word, one that will lead us to a mature, fruitful faith. There are three commands that James gives us here in this text. Let's go through them. First, a right relationship with God's word starts with hearing the word. So such a simple outline this morning. It starts with hearing the word. So get this, you've got to hear what it says. Now that, that sounds simple and that sounds really easy to do, but it's harder than you think. Because it's possible for you to listen to someone speak, but not really hear what they're saying. Have you ever been trying to get a point across to someone and you find yourself saying, but you're not hearing what I'm saying? This is how your conversation with your teenagers goes, right? Why do you say that? Because they're listening to you talk, but not really hearing what you have to say. So there's a difference between just listening and hearing. That's what James has in mind here. Now that word listen in verse 19 is a Greek word that means to comprehend by hearing. And what James does is he goes on to give us three keys to the type of hearing that he's talking about. Key number one, he says first, he says we must be quick to listen. Everybody say quick to listen. This is where a right relationship with the word of God all begins. And let me give you an illustration of what James means by quick to listen. There are two ways that you can read a book. There is what you would call assigned reading. Otherwise, I just need to get it read. That's it. My eyes scan the pages. I read through it, but not much of it made its way into my brain for application. I was thinking about this this week, and some of you grew up in my generation, and do you remember the Pizza Hut program called Book It? Okay, for you young people, in my, when I was in school, Pizza Huts were popping up everywhere like Chick-fil-A's are today. And they had this, this program called Book It, and you would commit to reading this many books per month in school, and then you would report what you read to your teacher, and when you read the books that you said you were going to read, they would give you a a coupon for a personal, free personal pan pizza. How many of you participated in that? Hey, you remember that, okay? Here's the thing. I read through those books so fast because I wasn't a reader. I don't even know what I read. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, it was just an assignment to check off my list because all I wanted was a free pizza, right? Now, that's one type of reading. On the other hand, there's reading for application, and it's very different. So when I read for application, I need to know the what and the why and how behind what's being said so that I can properly apply it to my life. That's what James is saying here when, he, when it comes to hearing the word. So get this. In order for you to be quick to listen you actually have to slow down and pay more attention. Because it's not just about checking the word of God off my to-do list as if somehow just listening was enough. It's about asking what the word is asking me to do. What is it telling me to do? 
What is it telling me to repent of? What is it telling me to change? What is it telling me to stop believing and start believing? Where is it telling me to go and to stop going and to be cautious about going? So I want you to think about a stoplight when it comes to how you need to read the word of God. Okay, there's times the word of God's gonna say, stop. It's gonna say, you gotta proceed with caution. And there are times the Bible's gonna say, this is where you need to go. So quick to hear goes something like this. Let me give you some examples. When it comes to how I handle my hurts, the Bible says to stop holding on to bitterness and go down the road of forgiveness. It's not always easy, but that's what the Bible says, right? Okay. When it comes to how I handle sex, the Bible says stop it outside of wedlock and go for it inside of marriage. When it comes to sexuality, the Bible says stop believing what the world says and go for living out how God has already created you to be biologically. That is evil and it is a lie. When it comes to anything the Bible calls a sin, the Bible says stop it and go for righteousness in that area instead. When, when the Bible cautions us about false teachers and the lust of our flesh, we need to be on our guard about those things. When it comes to salvation, the Bible tells us to stop believing that all people go to heaven no matter what and go for declaring that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life that no one comes to the Father except through him. Do you get the idea? This is what James means by quick to listen. That's the first key to hearing the word. Now look at the second key. He says, everyone should be quick to listen and what? Slow Slow to speak. Do you know what often stops us from hearing the word of God? One of the problems is we like to talk. We like to talk a lot. We like to share our opinions. One of the reasons we tune out the word of God is because we think we already have it all figured out. We think we know better. Essentially, we become our own God. And that's a never, ever a good place to be because Proverbs 14, 12 says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I'm convinced of this. Listen to me. Please get this. I believe a lot of us can experience a lot more blessing in our life, a lot more healing from our past, a lot more health in our homes, a lot more breakthroughs that we're praying for, a lot more victories over the enemy, a lot more of the abundant life that Jesus died to make possible if we would just take God at his word. There's a reason that God gave you two ears and one mouth. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, here's key number two to hearing the word of God. Watch this. Or key number three. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let me ask you a question. What happens when someone doesn't want to be told that they're a sinner? When, when they don't want to repent, they get angry, don't they? They get angry at the Bible, they get angry at the preacher, and ultimately they get angry with God. Listen, true story. Lots of people have gotten mad at Pastor Josh over the years and left Hope Fellowship Church, and my crime has been declaring truthfully the Word of God. Happens all the time. 
And here's what happens with people when they get in that mode. They either give up on church and the Bible altogether, or they find another church in hopes that their new church and their new pastor will be more accepting of their sin that they want to hang on to. When we get angry over what the Word of God has to say, James says that type of anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so think about this. An unrepentant person will not be able to produce the fruit of righteousness that God desires. And something that is not fruitful is not mature. Are you still with me? Yes. Okay, heavy stuff, right? But so important to you growing up in your faith. Listen, I'll say it again. A right relationship begins. A right relationship with the word begins with hearing the word. But it doesn't stop there. Secondly, James says a right relationship with the word involves accepting the word. So think about this. Hearing it is only half the battle. Accepting the word is the next step. Look at verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly, what is it? Accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now that word accept in the Greek means to warmly welcome. It means to fully embrace. So think about this. Once you hear the word, you now have to welcome it into your life. You have to fully embrace it. You have to put your full weight on it. That's what James is saying. And here's the thing. You can't put your full weight on two things at the same time. That's why James says there's going to be times in your Christian walk that in order for you to warmly welcome the word in your life, there's going to be some other things you're going to have to get rid of first. What does he say? Look, verse 21, once again, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. So what is he talking about there? He's talking about sin. Now, this is interesting, and I didn't put it in your notes, but follow me. The word filth, that, that particular word translated in English, in the original Greek, would be the same word that you would use for the wax that would build up in your ears. Sin has a way of clogging up your spiritual ears. And here's what it does. It prevents the word of God from getting here down into your heart. So we have to get, get the filth and the evil that's in our life out so we can get the word into our hearts. And when it gets into our hearts, it can flush out through our feet. Yeah, yeah. The problem for so many of us is we want to hang on to how we're living. We want to trust how we're living. We want to do it the world's way. And the word of God never gets into our heart. It never gets into our feet. And you never walk in victory. Jesus had another way of putting the same truth in the parable of the, of the four soils. Remember the parable Jesus told? He said, he said uh, there was a farmer that went out and scattered seed and it fell on four different types of ground. And the difference between whether that seed was able to produce fruit or not depended on the receptivity of that soil. And so Jesus tells this parable and his disciples are like, what is he talking about? And so they asked Jesus, what did you mean by this? And look what Jesus' explanation was in Luke chapter 4. Jesus said, verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the what? 
is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. That represents people with hard hearts. They get angry. Well, I don't believe this stuff about the word of God, and that's fine, and that's your prerogative, but the word of God can't work in your life until you receive it into your life. And the devil will come along and steal it. It says those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. Remember what James already told us? Let perseverance finish its work in times of testing so that you could bear fruit, right? The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's riches or worries, riches and pleasures. And here's the key phrase, watch this. And they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Here's what I want you to understand. Sin can choke out fruit in your life. Sin stops the word of God from doing its work in us. This is why it's so important when God's word exposes sin in our lives that we're willing to get rid of it and replace it with righteousness instead. And by the way, that's what righteousness is. It's God's way of living. Okay? There are a lot of things the world says is good that's not righteousness. Not everything that's good is God. Righteousness, by definition, is God's way of doing things. And here's what you got to know. John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, said this. Such a good quote. The Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. Now, look at why getting rid of sin is so hard to do. James gives us two reasons. First, our world makes it hard. Look at it. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. I mean, the world is so accepting of sin. It calls right, wrong, and wrong, right. It has different definitions of sin than God does. It makes sin look all pretty, but it doesn't tell you there's a hook in it. Like we learned last week with temptation. Listen, the influence of the world can keep us from turning from sin. It could deceive, or turning from sin, it could deceive us. Not to mention the peer pressure of the world. Well, if, I, if I really live for Jesus, then I'm going to be rejected. And I'm going to be persecuted. And so it's just easier to cling to sin. Look, you know the other thing could keep us from getting rid of sin in our life? Pride. Look at it. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. I mean, what's the opposite of humility? It's pride. I know better. I think better. How foolish can you be? Humility is needed always to accept the word of God. Okay. But I don't understand. So? not an issue whether you understand or not it's who you're going to trust that's the issue it's always a trust issue listen you don't know better than god 
The world doesn't know better than God. My best friend who I love that's living in sin doesn't know better than God. In order to have a right relationship with the word, you have to approach it at all times with humility. Now, here's the implications of accepting God's word in your life. Your sanctification is at stake. Look at it. Humbly accept the word planted in you. Look at the last phrase, which can what? Save you. you. Now, I want to remind you, James is not addressing non-Christians here. He's addressing Christians. So he's talking about sanctification here, not your justification. Okay, salvation is really a process rather than it is a one-time event. So the moment you give your life to Jesus, your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, you're going to heaven, that's the good news. One day when you get to heaven, you're gonna get a new body free from the curse of sin and it's gonna be wonderful. You'll never have any problems again. But in between there, the Holy Spirit is working to sanctify you, to make you more like Christ. That's what he's saying here in this deal. And here's what I have learned with church, with people who come to church over the years as a pastor. People don't believe their way away from God. They behave their way away from God. Because here's what happens. They hear the word of God. They never receive it. They never start, practice, stop, start practicing it. They live like the world. And then they turn around and say, well, I tried that God thing and it didn't work. Oh, it works. The problem is you never got the wax out of your ears It never got into your heart. It never came through your feet. And therefore, you were never able to walk in victory where God can bless you. I feel led to say this. Some of you, there are generational curses of sin in your life that God wants to stop. And the reason why he can't stop it is because you won't get the wax out of your ears. And you're passing it on to another generation and you don't even realize it. And God's saying, I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to put in in process here something that's going to bear good fruit for generations to come. And you not receiving my word and being a doer is stopping that. Having a right relationship with the word requires hearing the word, accepting the word, and finally, and this is so practical, obeying the word. Okay, so follow me. True hearing and accepting of the word results in doing the word. Look at it. Verse 22, once again, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And then what James does is he goes on to give us an illustration to drive this point home. He uses a mirror. Look at it. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, think about this. Before you came to church this morning, how many of you looked in the mirror? We see your hands. Okay. Why did you do that? Because you needed to get some things cleaned up first before you went out in public, right? And the rest of us are very thankful that you did. In fact, some of you in here today, we know you didn't. We can tell. You just rolled out of bed and you're like, there's no way that they looked in the mirror. The Bible is like a mirror. It's one of the reasons so many people don't want to look into it. It's, so, it's the reason why a lot of people don't want to go to churches nowadays that actually preach the Bible. Because when you look into it, ready? 
It reveals to you the truth about who you really are. So it's going to reveal your sin. And it's going to expose your self-righteousness. Because some some people want to hold on to the religion and hold on to their sin at the same time. And all that does is produce self-righteousness. Because here's what we do. We go, well, you know what? I, I may got these sins, but I got these things right, and so I'm okay. This is Jesus' biggest problem with the religious leaders, right? The Bible's going to reveal your sin. It's going to expose your self-righteousness. When, when you open it, I mean, how many of you can say when you read the Bible, there's just times you go, oh. And then there are times you're like, "Woo, I'm doing great. I just got that straight with God. And then you open your Bible for devotion on Monday and you're like, oh, there's something else. Because the reflection that is coming back to you is not pretty. But it's not all bad. If you'll submit to it, it's going to help you get cleaned up in such a way that God says, now you're way more usable to me, to, you, to me, and I can put you in front of people now to be used. Yes. Yes. The reason why God can't use some of us is because there's too much that we're not submitting to him in. And we're a mess. And all we do is lead people into self-righteousness rather than true righteousness. Ooh. Listen. God wants to put you in a position. God's intention is not to, not to mess your life up. It's to clean your life up so that you can be in a position where you could be fruitful and walk in his blessing. But follow me, his blessing is not found on the wide path. It's the narrow path that leads to life. So look at verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that's talking about the word of God that gives freedom. Oh, think about that. Jesus died to set you free from sin. And if you follow him, listen, he will will go to work to break strongholds in your life. Some of you, the miracle that you're looking at, listen to me, the miracle you're looking at is going to come through you obeying the word of God. Because when you walk in that path, then God says, you are now walking in the place where I can bless you and you can be fruitful and you can be victorious. But whoever looks intently, what does that mean? You got you to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be what? They will be, what is it? They will be blessed in what they do. And you see this all through the Bible. Let me give you just a few scripture verses. Psalm 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. What's the first word? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law, he meditates day and night. He's quick to listen, he's slow to speak, and he's slow to become angry. He's paying attention to it, right? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. This is the problem for some of us. Well, I've been following the word of God for a few months and nothing's happened, so I'm going to go back to my old life. No, you will produce harvest of righteousness in due season. Keep walking the narrow path. Whose leaf 
also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Do you understand? God wants to prosper you. God wants to prosper your kids. God wants to prosper your ministry. God wants to prosper generations to come through you. And a lot of that foundation gets set as you become a doer of the word. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and Do you understand? Jesus didn't say, hey, bless this everybody. You get a blessing and you get a blessing and you get a blessing. (laughs) Jesus says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. I want to look at this story. Jesus told in the Sermon on the Mount, I think, that drives this home so well. He's talking about following the word of God. He's talking about obeying the word of God. And Look at the difference. He says there, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Puts them into practice. That's a doer of his word. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock, the word of God. But... Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Someone who is not a doer of the word is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the storms rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I'm going to read that. Jesus is saying there's a lot of similarities here. Two guys are building a house. Two guys both went through the storm, but why did one house stand and one house not? Had to do with the foundation they were building on. What Jesus says, what, who's, what foundational word are you building your life on? Are you building it on me who is the rock, or are you building on the sand, the shifting sand that the world gives you? Being a doer of a word comes down to you having a right relationship with the word. And if you're going to do that, you've got to be able to hear God's word, accept God's word, and obey God's word. You, you can't throw out any of those and it, it works the way it's supposed to. You won't have a healthy relationship if you remove any of those pieces of the puzzle. Now, here's, here's how James ends. And, and, and James is going to, this kind of leads him into something else we'll talk about next week. But a right relationship with the word is going to show up in three areas of your life. You know, one of the things that Jesus said is you will know people by their fruit. Okay? Okay, never judge somebody's maturity by how many times they go to church or how much Bible knowledge they have. You, you will know them by their fruit. And the truth is, is maturity is going to show up in three areas of your life. The, 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 more, the more that you accept God's word, get it into your heart, flesh it out through your feet, when you allow God's, heart, God's word to be, be central to your heart, it's going to affect your life in three areas. First of all, it's going to show up in your words. Look what James says, 126, those who consider themselves religious. Otherwise, I believe in God. <laughs> I believe in God's word. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceives themselves. And their religion is worthless. Now that shouldn't surprise you. Because what did Jesus say in Luke chapter 6 verse 45? For the mouth speaks what the heart is what? Full of. Full of. 
I mean, I'm not saying none of us are perfect in this area, but the more and more you mature in your walk with the Lord, the more and more this thing in your, in your mouth will start to be reined in. That's a product of how the word of God works in your life. It'll begin over time to better tame your tongue. So you want to know how mature somebody is? Listen to them speak. How do they talk? What language do they use? Uh, how do they deal with people? It's a telltale sign of how mature they really are and what place the Word of God really has in their life. Here's the second place that a right relationship with the Word of God is going to show up. It's going to show up in your works. So look, look at this. It's so interesting. G- James says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distress. You say, what is this about? Well, this is not an exhaustive list of things that you could be, be, allow God to use you in. In fact, there may be other areas. It doesn't say everybody's got to go find a way to help an orphan or a widow. He's using it as an example here that says this. In those days, orphans and widows couldn't offer you anything. There was no benefit to you at all to minister to them. And here's what James is saying. For some of you, the proof that you don't have a healthy relationship with the Lord is the only time you do anything for the Lord is when it could benefit you. Your activity for the Lord is only when you're getting something out of it. And maturity is when you start saying, I am not only going there, I am not only looking for God to pour into me, but I'm looking to pour into others. Because God has designed you not to be a reservoir, but a river. And the reason why some of us stink so bad is because, because we're, our life is stagnant and the water stinks because it's always about us 24-7. This is why some of you don't serve in church. This is why some of you don't get involved in purposes bigger than you because it's about you 24-7. And when you grow up in your faith, you realize it's not about me 24-7. It's about me being used by God and allowing God to use me in the lives of other people, people who can't give me anything in return. I'm willing to lay down my life. It shows up in that area. Here's the last one. It shows up in our walk. A right relationship with the, with the word. It begins to show up in our walk. Watch this. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And this shouldn't surprise you because if you can get God's word in your heart, if you can get it through your ears, past, get rid of the wax, open up that passage, allow it, allow, uh, allow that thing to get into your heart. It will help you live a righteous life. This shouldn't surprise you because look at Psalm 119 verse 11. David says, the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my what? Heart that I might not sin against you. Being a doer of the word. It's the key to maturity. The more you're a doer of the word, the more you allow the word to transform you, come out through your feet, the more mature you'll be, the more usable you'll be, the more fruitful you'll be. It's just the way it works. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. For some of you, the first thing I think the Lord wants to address this morning is this. Your attitude and your view of the Word of God needs to change. It's the perfect law. You need to stop picking and choosing what you think you want to obey and don't obey. It is the perfect law. And so for some of you, the blessing will come when you start to treat the Word of God that way. You need to live by the phrase that Jesus 
uh, quoted when he was tempted by the devil. Remember what he said? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And until you get your attitude there, you're going to struggle. You're not going to grow. You're never going to mature. And you're going to hinder some of the miracles that God wants to do in your life. It starts by receiving the word. So maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I need to repent of that attitude. So right now where you are, would you just go to the Lord and say, Lord, today is a new day. I'm going to look at your word different. I'm going to change the way that I think about it because your law is perfect and I am imperfect and I'm going to trust you. There's others of you in here this morning. Maybe there's some things in your life and you've been justifying some things and you've been, you've been holding on to some filth that the Lord has been wanting to, to get rid of. And listen, the Lord just doesn't want to get rid of it. He wants to replace it with righteousness where he can bless you. He's got plans for you. And there's things that God's saying, I can't bless you until you get rid of these things in your life. And so wherever you're at, I'm guaranteeing you the Holy Spirit through this message has already been speaking to you as we've made our way through. If you know he's been speaking right where you are, would you just repent. You say, Lord, this is how you get filth out of your life. You repent. It comes through repentance and then you replace it with righteousness. You begin to be a doer of the word in the, in, in the thing that, that in, in the spot where you got rid of that filth. And so if that's you, would you just go to the Lord right now and say, Lord, forgive me. I, 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 you're putting your finger on this area of my life, not because you want to make my life miserable, but because you've got good things in store and your word and your perfect law brings freedom. And I want to walk in that in the name of Jesus. And then there are some others of you that, that you're right now, you're in the process and you're trusting the word of God. And there are some things that are yet to happen. And, and I would tell you this morning, in due season, if you don't give up, I'm telling you, there is a harvest of righteousness coming your way. So don't get discouraged. No, there's miracles coming your way. No, there's blessing coming your way. Don't bail out on the process. Because do you remember what the angel said to Mary? When he told her that she would be through her virgin room, she would conceive the Messiah. And Mary says, how can this be? You remember what the angel said? Not one word of God ever fails. Never fails. Father, I just come to you today, Lord, and I ask you to help us be doers of your word. Lord, help us to remember that phrase all week when temptations come our way when we read our Bible and we look in the mirror and we see things that we need to get cleaned up, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be doers because, Lord, victory is at stake. Fruitfulness is at stake. Our sanctification, Lord, is at stake. Lord, our usability in your kingdom is at stake. Generational curses being broken in our family is at stake. And so, Lord, help us remember, no, I'm going to be a doer of the word. Lord, rooted in our spirit that we may walk on that path. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Amen. Would you go ahead and stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer partners, if you're here this morning and you need to pray over anything, maybe related to this sermon, say, I just need somebody to pray with me over these issues and, and I, I need some prayer. Come up, let us pray for you. Or maybe it's just another need in your life. Maybe it's somebody you know that needs prayer. Listen, we see here of testimonies all the time of people that come up to get prayed for. So if you need prayer, would you go ahead and come? The rest of you, God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll